what he's not. This is tough, right? The book of James, as we're going through it, is not getting any easier. In fact, it gets harder. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, or you have your phone, uh, if you forgot both of those, it doesn't matter, uh, get on, uh, you can look up here on the screen. If you were handed a yellow piece of paper, like this, I want you to open it up with me, uh, just the first, this is the first page, and we're going to see, there's some blanks that we can fill out, and we'll, this kind of goes in order of uh, what I'm going to talk about this morning. But if it's your first time with us, or maybe you've been here a couple times, or maybe you haven't been here in a year, and you've only been here two or three times, I want to I I share something with you. First of all, my name's Matt, and I'm really, really excited that you're here. Very excited. God is doing things in this church. I guess whether you like it or not, right? God is doing things in this church. He, he's moving in the lives of people because we cho- we've chosen to do something that's completely different. We've chosen to actually put action with our faith. Some of you could come up to me and talk for hours. Some of you could tell me how what God has done in your life in the last week. Uh, protection uh, from your with your uh, with your family may have been in an accident. Uh, protection when you're traveling. Um, Maybe your summer is starting off really good. Maybe it's not, but God is still good even if it's not. But what I'm seeing is this. I'm seeing a group of people. I'm seeing a group of people, and this is is a huge deal. If you want to write this down, write this down. But listen, I'm seeing a group of people that are seeking to do something that will literally and can literally change your life. They are willing. They are willing. Not to just hear this, not to just not to just read God's word and say, "Oh yeah, this is this is great." Okay, good, all right. What they do is they they ingest this. I'm not talking about a giant spitwad war here, okay? I'm talking that you eat you eat the word. As a mature person in Christ, we should be we should be diving in here. We should be looking deep into Scripture, and we should be asking questions that don't necessarily feel good. To answer them. God, how can you move in my life? Where can you change me differently that I can become a better person? I can become a better follower of you. This is tough. People are growing stronger in their faith. Our connect groups. I hear stories all the time. Man, we've been praying for this person for a long time and man, God has done this. Uh, I have been praying about this and God has done this. When we become intentional and interact with a God, when you, when you choose to interact with God, your life is not going to be the same. It, it can't be. Because He transforms you. He doesn't say, I want you to, you know what, we're going to use a church word here. I don't want you to just get saved and, hey, that's it. Just enjoy life, man. God doesn't say that. Jesus doesn't tell His disciples that. It's just the beginning. For too long, the church told that lie. Get saved and everything's good. Man, <laughs> It wasn't until I started to try to be like seriously interacting with God and looking for His will in my life that my, my, my life became completely more difficult, right? It became more struggles. I think, man, I need to change this. I need to change this. I need to do this. Some of you need to hear this, though. Some of you, some of you are saying, man, this is all good news. and My life right now is just not going this way. Here's the deal. Listen, if you're a connect group, um, let's see... Last week, we were talking about God's timing. And I know, some of you are going, I don't want to hear this. I'm going to use a word. Some, seriously, some, Christian think, thinks, some Christians think this is a curse word. You ready? Patience. I know some of you are like, oh, I can't believe you said that out loud. Listen, God wants us to be patient and realize one thing, He's never left. Not one time. We read about the Israelites being in Egypt and God says something wonderful. He says, he, he speaks to Moses and He says, I've heard the groan and cries of my people. Do you know what that tells me? It tells me something unbelievable. You ready? That God listens to us when we pray. Listens. Even, even Elijah in the Old Testament when he called down fire from heaven. Remember the other, remember the other guys? He goes... 
Elijah is practicing severe sarcasm. Maybe your God's in the bathroom, right? They're calling, they're cutting themselves, they got sackcloth on, they're rubbing dirt all over their, their bodies, and they're calling down fire, and Elijah says, well, maybe your God can't hear you, maybe He's in the bathroom. This in the Bible. Sarcasm is real, right? So, and, then, and then Elijah calls down after he's put water on his, and it completely burns it up. And the Bible says that it, it burned up the rocks. This is a God that can change your life, but a God that listens to us when we pray. We're going to be in chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 14 this morning, but we're going to be getting in just a second. Some people do things that other people think is a little out there. I have a friend for his 30th birthday. Now, for your 30th birthday, if you've reached that milestone in life, for your 30th birthday, maybe what did you do? We went out to eat, right? I have a friend, and he's a very, very in-shape dude. He goes, for my 30th birthday, I'm going to do an Ironman. This is a huge deal. First of all, it starts off, the Ironman is wonderful. You have 24 hours to complete it. Yes, that's 24 hours. Okay, You start off with a nice, smooth, two-mile swim. Some of you are going, I'm done, right? Then you do 120 miles on a bike. Post-swimming. Okay, Now here comes the exciting part. <laughs> then you run a marathon. And he, he's crazy to me. He goes, yeah, I'm going to do an Ironman. In my mind, I'm going, I'll pray for you. Because I'm not, right? <laughs> no way. By the way, he finished it at under 17 hours because he's just cool. But we face these challenges in life. Yeah, we have challenges. And I'm not talking video games here. I'm not talking, you know, silly stuff. We have challenges in life. Sometimes we seek out, man, I want to do... I want to do a tough mutter, right? I want, I want to do I want to do a Spartan race. I want to do I want to I want to do a couch to five k. I want to be able to jog three miles. Okay, I want to be I want to be able to jog to my mailbox. Okay, whatever, whatever, whatever you want to do, right? But we we, we like challenging ourselves non spiritually. How much how much can you lift? How much can you bench press? How much can you deadlift? We like to challenge ourselves non-spiritually. This, when we challenge ourselves spiritually, this is when we see life changing. This is when we get spiritually fit. And James, as most as some of you may know, James speaks a lot on a word that gets really, really, really taken out of context. It means what it says. Okay, so, you know, it, it means it means what it means, but it's out of context in most people's use of it. He talks about our works. Okay, he talks about doing things. Also, in other words, action, what we do spiritually. And James speaks a lot about faith. There's people that study. James and they study Paul and Paul and Romans. If you've ever read Romans, he's all about uh, we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, great. That's good. That's good. It's solid. But then you read James and he goes, works, 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 works. Like the seven dwarves, right? Always talking about work. Doing, doing. I'm going to be very clear with you. You cannot do enough good things to enter the kingdom of heaven, period. I don't care who you are. You can't. And James never says that. Never. And in fact, he, he speaks very clearly. Look at the first blank, and I'll show you. Fill this in with me. Our actions should be a result. That's the key word. If you want to underline one, underline one. Our actions should be a result. Okay? A result. It's a result. It's what's after the equal sign. Right? Our actions, what we do, should be a result of our faith. So which one's first? Faith. You have to come to faith in Christ, start a relationship with Him, invite Him into your life, have Him forgive you of your sins, then we should act. Why? Chances are pretty good. Chances are very good. That you are where you are today in your spiritual walk, whatever level that may be, the chances are very good that you are on that spiritual walk, wherever that may be, 
and there was someone in your past that helped you in some way get there. It's a rather broad statement, but I promise you, I've seen people, yeah, 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 absolutely. Most people, it's more than one person. More than one person to take time to put into them, to teach them. To put in. Now, I wonder, some of you are going to go, well, man, that's a pretty cheap way to to do that, but I'll show you what I mean. Open your hand out all the way. On the right side, our actions are a result of our faith. Some of you do numerous things at Connection, but we have a problem at Connection. There's a problem. I see a problem. Everybody's paying attention now. Ready? I'll tell you what our problem is. You ready? Everybody listening to what the problem is? We're growing. Congratulations. Do you know what it means when I say the word growing and insist that the church be connected to that word? Do you understand what that means? We're one of 11% of churches globally that are not dying. We're going the other way. You're a minority today. Why? Because there's people that are willing to do this. They put actions with their faith. They have people that... I went to my office the other day, and for those of you that have never been to Connection or talked to me before, my office is Hardy's, right across from Casey Middle School. That's my office. I have a mug and everything. It has my name on it. I was inducted into the Coffee Drinkers Hall of Fame. Not the Hall of Fame yet. i gotta, I got to do my career first. But That's my office. But, I, but I, I drive by there, and it's really cool how many times I drive by Hardee's, and even though I don't have a meeting, I realize that there are other people using my office. I let them. Okay? I let them use my office. But there's other people in there all the time. And they're giving of their time, and they're giving of their knowledge, and they're giving of biblical sound advice to help people in life. There's also people right now, right now, that are, in the, that are in the back part of this church. If you have children, you sent them back there. I can promise you one thing. You ready? They are learning about the wonderful love that God has for us. Period. They're being taught God's Word in a very relevant way by people that choose action because of what God has done for them. If I ask you this question, how good of a person were you 10 years ago? Some of you right now in your head goes, man, I hope you really never asked me that question. I won't. <laughs> I won't. You don't want to know me. You don't want to know the real me. You don't. But our actions should be a result of our faith. So here's the deal. As a result of growth, not only are we going in adults, we're going in children, so we need people to act. This is what we do. We're in need of workers in our first impressions area. Well, can you shake hands? Can you say hi? Can you do this? <laughs> can you pop popcorn? It's pass a safety test. We're playing with hot things, right? Yeah, oil, popcorn, okay. coffee, water. Are you willing to create, help create this environment that we need? We also need people in preschool. We need people in Kids Rock. First impressions is a big deal. We could use. You tell me you want to serve, I'll plug you in. Deal? No one said deal. Okay, good. Our actions should be a result on our faith. So I'm going to ask you to do this. This is not a cop-out, by the way. But if you've been looking for a place to plug in, or maybe you're looking for a place to serve, I want to ask you to pray about it. It's not a cop-out. I physically want you to see where God wants you to help. Because connection is a really cool setup. I know. I've been, I've been in church my whole life. Some of you are going to nod your head and completely understand what I'm saying. I was a part. Now this church is part of a minority. I was a part of another minority. I was a part of the 20% that did the 80% of the work. Anybody ever been there? Don't have to show your hands. I know, I know, I know, every, I know every day of the week that you can possibly have service on. I've shut the lights off. I've turned them on. I understand. But Connection is a really cool thing. We have a 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock service. One Sunday a month, we're asking you to sit in one service and serve in the other one. That's it. You can still come to church. You can still serve. Some of you are doing much more than that. And I thank you. But next time, the next time that we want to get... Right? You ever get... With life? I want you to thank God for something. I want you to thank Him 
for what He's doing in our people at Connection. And He's, he's moving people here. We, we are growing. We are on the other end. We're in a minority. In a world that used to, churches always grew. When the bell people come, right? Our actions of our people are becoming magnetic. Somebody goes to another church? Great. They're not for us. That's called sheep stealing. That's against the Bible. Period. But if somebody's not in a church, seek them out. It's our action. You know, some of you are going, man, that was a pretty cheap way to try to get some workers. No, I'm asking you to pray about it. I mean, we need help. We do. You know why we need help? Do you remember your first time at Connection when you walked in the door and somebody told you where the coffee was and where the bathroom was and made you feel welcome? The only thing that we need to do is to multiply ourselves. Teach somebody to do what you do. Not replace you. Teach somebody to do what you do. Replace. Teach. Look at James 2.14. Our actions. Anybody... I don't want to talk about current basketball. I just don't watch a lot of the NBA. But in my high school, my early high school, late middle school days, were some of the great days of basketball ever, in my opinion. Because we really did get to watch the best player in the world. Not LeBron James. It's not his name. His name is Michael Jordan, right? You can agree or disagree. It doesn't matter. Okay. Michael Jordan has been called by announcers the greatest of all time. He's been announced when he makes the shot. Jordan fades back, he shoots, he scores. Very famous line. If there were announcers in the Bible, they would be announcing the book of James like that today. Look at verse 14 with me on the screen, Look at the, or in your Bibles. Look at this. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by actions? This is an absolute slam dunk. Or, nothing but net. This is it. What good is it? And he says, dear, he cares for them, right? If you say that you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions, what is it? What, what good? What? It's like a person that lives alone and they build a 7,000 square foot house. Can you live in all those rooms at one time? Listen, I'm not getting on houses. It doesn't matter. But listen, if you say that you have faith, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Okay, fine. How about this? How about this question? Could somebody that you work with, if you could not say a word physically, if you couldn't say a word, just by the way that you acted and showed respect to others, would they know that you're different than normal people in the world? What we would call normal, secular people. Would they know any different? See, James is the half-brother of Jesus Christ. He, he, he becomes a follower of Jesus. It's really weird. A follower of his brother. Okay, it's really weird. Okay, he's a follower of Jesus later in life. And I feel that he's very anxious and he's very intense. And he's got to get all this out before something happens to him. But look at this. He says, if you say that you have faith but don't show it by your actions, what good is it? What good is it? What good is it? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Now I want to show you something. If you, if you take notes in your Bible, or you write them down here, or you just forget everything that I say, just don't do that right now. Right? Listen, listen to this right now. He's asking what kind of faith doesn't have something you can't show anything. What, what, kind, of fa- what kind of faith is that? So listen to this. True faith in Jesus Christ does something that nothing else in this world can do on this kind of level. It will transform you. Physically. Spiritually. Challenge you. James says this, if you have that kind of faith, why would you stand still? James is is in a time of biblical history that followers of Jesus are being hunted no difference in animals. We're just hunted. 
Okay? Remember he's writing to these people that scattered, right? They're literally living beside these heathen people called Gentiles. Okay? And he's writing as he said, if the people around you cannot tell that Jesus is in your life, what are you doing? There's so many people that come up and talk to me. It's sad. But there's a lot of people that come and talk to me saying, you know what? I wasted so much of my life not doing what God wanted me to do. I'm 37 years old. This is what I tell them. I wasted a fifth of mine. So we, we, I relate with them. On my way here, I was praying for you. Not, not anything special. I was praying for you. Because I wanted God, I wanted you to hear, I wanted you to hear this very, very, very well. God is not looking for us to receive our salvation and quit. God is wanting us spiritually to push the pedal on the right to the floor and accelerate out of this life as fast as you can go for Him. As fast as you can. And some of you are going, well, I'm getting older, I'm getting a little bit slower. You know what I mean. I have some people that come to me and they say, Matt, when we have a, a work day at the church or we do something, I just can't lift anything. I just can't stand for very long. And I asked them this, I said, can you pray for us? I'll be glad to do that. And then they, then they do this. They get a pen and they go, what specifically can I pray for? That's a gifted person. That's a person that's of mature, of maturity in Christ. And they say, hey, I can't do this, but I can do this. They find something to do. Can you... Can that's the kind of faith save you? What he's talking about, he said, listen, if you're just going through the... What what are you doing? There's a lost world out here. What are we doing? So he goes on in 15... James does a good job of doing this. He says something that could be really, really sharp and then he explains himself. So look at verse 15 with me. He gives a story. Man, I wonder how he got the idea of teaching with stories. Who else did that? Right, his brother. Jesus. Why do we listen to stories? Chances are you could tell me a story right now from something that happened this week in complete vivid detail. I don't care. Maybe somebody... I got a Snapchat last week of somebody that came to the first service and I was talking about trains. And before, before I was done in the second service, they sent me a Snapchat and I went over and said, Oh wow, they got blessed with a train. Okay. Look at verse 15. He gives a story. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing. He goes to an extreme here, okay? This is very, very, very common. People in in biblical times, it was a very, very, very small thin line on top that had a lot of stuff. And there was a whole bunch of middle to lower, lower, poor, poor, low, low, low class. And he says, so this is something common they would have seen. He says, suppose you have a brother or sister who has no food or clothing. And you say... Goodbye. Hey, you know what? Have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. What are they? What are those? Those are just words. See where James is going here? Those are just words. Just to say something doesn't make make it so. Hey, you stay warm and eat well. This person doesn't have anything. Right? It's a story. He's giving them a story. And then he says, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? He's comparing helping someone to a faith that doesn't have any action. And he said, just because you walk by somebody and sit and, and, and somebody walks by you and they're, on, and they're on crutches. And one of the crutches goes out and, and literally you know, they're kind of laying on the floor and you, you kind of walk by them and you go, hey, good luck with that. Right? They fell down. They have a broken leg. And you go, hey, good job. You get up quick, right? It does nothing. It does absolutely nothing. Nothing. Do you know what we call that kind of person today? Nicely, we call him a jerk. Right? We call him a jerk. And some of you are going, yeah, we call him much worse than that. Fine, keep that to yourself. But we call him a jerk. 
Why? Because you have the means to help someone and you choose not to. Watch this. You're using opposite action. You're literally, you are doing something by ignoring. I am not saying that you need to go to Compassion International and adopt every single child in the world. You can't do that. I'm not saying that you have to do every single person, every single person without a stoplight that's homeless. I'm not saying that you have to empty your wallet for them. But what I'm saying here is James is saying without action it's the wrong kind of faith. What good are you doing? How about this? I wrote some questions down. Questions that I deal with myself on, on sometimes a daily basis. If someone needed to talk, could you make yourself available? There you go. If someone needed to talk, could you make yourself available? Do you know what happens? Life. Yesterday, yesterday I, had, uh, I had a phone call and somebody needed some help. And I said, I can't. I'm spending time with my family today. I, did, I just physically couldn't. I wasn't, I wasn't around. And they said, oh, no, no, no problem. And she said, I knew that if you would be here, if you were closer, you would help. You could help. She's evidently seen that in my life before. Otherwise, she wouldn't have called me. How about this? Does your phone ring? People understand that you would help if you could? If someone needed to talk, could you make yourself available? If someone reached out to you and you could meet a need, would you? You know one of the reasons why connection is different? Different than probably any church I've ever been to as a member in my entire life. I have people that seek me out. And they say, hey, God has been very good to us financially, or God has been very good to us some other way. And they said, is there a need in our church that you know of that I could meet? (sighs) What? When's the last time that happened at your job? Hey, I noticed that your car has 150,000 miles, has 180,000, has 300,000 miles. I'm going to get you a new one. You would fall over. First you first you call him a liar, right? There's no way. But I've, we have people in our church physically. Some people do it financially. Some people ba- sacrifice one of the most value, valued items we have in this world to help other people. Do you know what that is? Time. They know the benefits of somebody putting into their life and they say, I want to do that with someone else. I want, I have a passion. Some of you, I have a passion to teach two-year-olds. You're a special person. You are. They're crazy, aren't they? It's so awesome. It's so awesome. You, you, spend, you spend an afternoon around a kid that's two, three, four, five, a kindergarten age kid, you will learn a lot. They're fun to be around. And some of you go, okay, I'll help out, but on the, on, on the third week or whatever, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the babies or I'm in, I'm in Kids Rock. I'm going to need to get to church early grab another cup of coffee. Fine! You've got to keep up with them, right? But these people understand that people have given to them and they want to give back. This is how Jesus taught His disciples. He said, I'm teaching you. You just stay the same and don't do anything. Of course not. He says, go. I can just imagine what wasn't recorded in Matthew 28 when Jesus tells them about the Great Commission. Go to the world. Because the disciples were a lot like me. Sometimes they were a little dense. They didn't get it. Because you see Jesus repeating Himself and repeating Himself and repeating Himself and repeating Himself all to them guys again and again and again. I can imagine. Hey guys, you getting ready to go to heaven? Yeah, Jesus, that whole come back from the dead thing was neat. It just... Phew, Jesus goes, I want you to go through the whole world. That's like a different country, right? They have no understanding of how vast and how quickly the gospel would spread. All because they chose to teach someone to do what they do. 
I'm not talking about replacing yourself. I'm talking about multiplication, mentoring, teaching, groups. God seeks for us to not just see needs. He seeks for us to meet them. Again, I am not saying every time you come to a stoplight and there's someone with a sign and an interstate or something that you say, you know what, you can just have my wallet. If God tells you that, okay. If you're in a position to do that and it's a financially educated thing, okay. God is asking for us to put our feet in motion. Our hands to work. Look at verse 17. Look at this. So you see, if I can imagine James, James writing this, and he's, he stops after verse 16 and goes, hmm. I don't know that they actually understood that. So you see, faith, and he goes on, so you see, faith isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. This is where Michael Jordan comes in. Jordan fades back, he shoots, he scores. This is huge. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. And we don't like the word dead when we're talking about spiritualness. You don't. You don't. You don't like the word dead, and we certainly don't like the word useless. James does not play. Too long. People, groups of people, churches have played church. James doesn't play. James says, sit down, I'm going to blow your ears off. You don't want to hear this, but you're going to hear it anyway. You ever heard anything like that? This is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you? No, it doesn't. Right? That's what you think as a kid. No, it doesn't. Can you imagine how much spiritual pain it took as a result of James writing this to put this into pen? And on a paper, he says, listen, it's dead. You're not doing anything. And when he's talking to these people that are spread out, he's literally saying, your next door neighbor, because of what Jesus did, can inherit heaven forever. What are you doing? He said, well, I wish they'd find a cure to cancer. You have it. We have it. I'm not talking about anything with medicine. I'm not talking about anything with a needle or a chemotherapy. You have the cure to more than cancer. Because this death can take us out of this life. But the blood of Christ means the last breath here is the first step in breath in heaven. You see what I mean? You, 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 have, you have the antidote to anything that this world can do to you. Anything. He says, without good deeds, without works, without showing or expressing it, it's dead and useless. We don't like those words. Look at verse 18. Now someone may argue. You know why he says this? You know why he says this? Because people haven't changed much. You talk with anybody that's argued with you this week? Anyone? No one with children? Okay, listen. Now, now someone may argue. He says, somebody that's going to read this and go, but, 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 I object. Right? <laughs> Too bad. He goes on and says, Some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? See, I can just stand here. If I can't say a word, if I can't do an action, you have no idea of my relationship with Christ. Watch. Oh, I'm sorry, I smiled. That's an action. <laughs> you can't. He says, you have to put feet to it. I will show you my faith by good deeds. Again, this is, a, this is, this is action to faith to show, to represent it. That it comes out. Our actions are an afterproduct. Look at the next blank on your worship handout. I'm sorry, let's go to 19 first. Let's stop and go to 19 first. 19 and 20. He says, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Whoa. He's talking to these people. And he says, you say that you have faith. You believe there's one God. Good job. Look what he said. The sarcasm much? Look at this. Good for you. Excellent job. And then he ranks them. Look at this. 
Oh, so you believe in God. Great. Even the demons believe this. But the demons understand. And they tremble in fear, in terror. Every time... I love this. You can look in the New Testament. You can look at different miracles that Jesus did. Casting demons out of people. Anytime there's an interaction with a demon in Jesus' voice, do you know what happens? The demons lose. Do you know why? Because they have no authority over the Son of God. If Jesus tells them to do something... They say, okay. Do you remember when they begged him? Send us into those pigs. <laughs> they believe. But he's saying, listen, you say you have faith for you believe there's one God. Basically, he said, you're doing church like Jesus said to do church. Okay, good. Yay. Right on. We've got to do something. Look at verse 20. He, then, he calls them something, then he calls them names. Foolish. How foolish. Can't you see your faith without good deeds is useless? I believe in God. Great. Great, James says, good for you. How are your actions? What are you doing? Now look at your worship handout. Now, now, we're, on, now we're on key. There, here we go. Our faith requires action. Requires, huge word, underline it. It requires it. Because we are called to faith in Christ. God says, live how you want to live for the rest of your life. No. He says, I want you to do what I'm calling you to do. Very difficult. I want you to do what I want you to do. God sees a picture that's overall that you can't see. He knows where you go. He knows how you fit. And He knows what peace you have. If you haven't seen that, I love that Facebook picture. It's got the cross, gravy cross. And there's a puzzle piece. And the same puzzle piece is in the middle of the guy. And the guy's walking up to the cross because that's the only puzzle piece that will fix him. Even though you plug that puzzle piece in and say, wow, thank you God, I have a relationship with you, this is awesome. God says, now go. Now do. At work, at Kroger, wherever. So James needs something to get these people's attention. He needs needs a haymaker, spiritually. Look at the next verse. He name drops. Big time. Look at this. Verse 21. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham... Stop. Abraham is just name dropped. Why? Because he shows one of the most courageous acts of faith ever recorded on this planet. If you have children, hang with me for a second. We remember that our ancestor Abraham has shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. Abraham and Sarah had Isaac later in life. God comes to Abraham. He's already told him. God's already told him about the covenant. He said, your ancestors will outnumber the sand on the seashore. All all these things, or the stars in the sky, whichever one you want to go to. He's already told him this. So later in life, he goes, hey God, I don't understand really how I'm going to have a whole lot of ancestors because I don't have any kids. And I don't know if you know a lot about... about, um, you know, genealogy or things, but you need kids to have more kids, okay? He says, I need, I need them. And God says this, I want you to sacrifice your son. We talked about this a couple months ago in Connect Group as, we go in, as we're going through the Bible chronologically that, that Isaac help prepare the altar and what that tells us. It tells us that Abraham was raising him in the correct manner. He was showing him what to do and how to do it. Action. Teaching. Isaac even asked a question because he's seen a sacrifice happen before. He goes, hey dad, uh, we got the sticks, we got the fire. Where's the animal? Isaac lays his son on the altar and he takes a knife and he gets up here and God speaks to him and he says, don't do it. And they find a ram that's got his horn stuck in a bush and they offer that. But that's a huge deal because it's showing Abraham said, when God said it, Abraham did it. We all struggle with that right there. If God tells you to do something, now you have a choice. You know, I'm just too busy. And by busy, I mean... I could play another 18 holes of golf today. I'm just... I'm tired. And you slept 12 hours last night. Okay, we, we can justify or make excuses. Okay, We all are in this together. 
And verse 22 says, You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. Abraham was going to sacrifice his only son because God told him to do it. Period. You can go back and read it. He says, okay, we're not even told in Scripture that Isaac even argued. You have kids, anybody? You understand? What that, that, that's huge, right? <laughs> Isaac was so obedient, he said, yeah, okay. This is what God wants you to do, okay. Abraham did because he believed. I think that's a huge statement. Do you do because you believe? Question mark. Do you do because you believe? Question mark. Look at verse... Um, he goes on, look at verse 23. He says, And so it happened as the Scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. There are many things that we would like to list on a resume of life. I love people. My family loved me. I supported people. I was a follower of Jesus and tried to do what God wanted me to do. But you listen to this word. Listen to this word that is on Abraham's life resume. God counted him as righteous. This is not Jesus talking to the Pharisees, calling, calling them unholy and righteous and better than, better than you. This is God saying, this man did what I asked him to because he believed in who I am. That's a big deal. He was even called something that David was. David was called a man after God's own heart. Here we see this. I've been friends with a lot of people. Probably will continue to meet people in my life. Unless something happens today and I I don't live or something. But listen. He was called a friend of God. Do you know what a friend is? It's somebody that you have a relationship with. A very close one. Keep in mind, this is a relationship in the Old Testament. Okay, somebody that's counted righteous. Somebody has a relationship. Where are you at here? Verse 24, So you see, we're shown to be right with God by what we do, not my faith alone. Again, don't rip this out of context. Don't just say, See? See? He said, Do all the good things. Doing enough good things will get you absolutely nothing. You can, you can do good and do good and do good. The only way that you inherit a relationship with Jesus Christ and eternity in heaven is having a relationship with Him. It's not what you do. There are other religions in this world that teach that. This says differently. John 14, 6. It doesn't say, I am everything that you want to do good, just do good, just do good, just do good. John 14, 6. Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I don't know how anybody else wants to interpret that. But that's what it says. It doesn't say anything about doing. Jesus says, I am. You have to believe in me. You have to seek me out. Forgiveness comes from me. Look at verse 25. Some of you know this story. Some of, you, some of you are sitting in, in this room right now. Yes, this straight out of the New Living Translation Bible. Yes, that word is in there. Some of you are thinking this. But I've messed up. I have wasted so much of my and God's time. I can't possibly get into a relationship like this with God. Let me tell you something. I thank God for you today as I prayed I was coming to church. What I also did is I said this. God, I want my today to be better than my yesterday. And maybe you have days like that. I want my this week to be better than last week. Always, my, my New Year's resolution, if you call it that, is to be a stronger follower of Christ than I was the year before. It's something that you have to work on every day. But look at this. You think, man, God can't use me. Really? They had the prostitute. I don't need to define that. Here's another example. Listen. Literally, God uses someone that stereotypically is in a gutter in life. Somebody that's been down. Somebody that isn't doing what they're supposed to do. Wasting their life. And she was shown to be right with God by her actions. He's not talking about her actions as her job. He's talking about the actions that she did with spies. 
says she was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Wow. We're getting there in connect group lessons. We, we're, all, we're almost there. Okay? We started, we're into Moses now. We're gonna, this, is, this is Joshua. This is right after this. In Joshua chapter 2, this is where it's at. Rahab says, hey, you guys need to hide. If they find you, they're going to kill you. So she hid them. God saved her and her family in the city of Jericho. He saved them. Because she acted on God asking her to do something. Now watch this. But the writer of Hebrews, if you want to jot this down, look at this later. The writer of Hebrews, in chapter 11, calls Rahab something other than that third word there. You ready for this? You want to see what kind of change and transformation God can do with someone? Watch this. The writer in Hebrews 11 doesn't call Rahab a prostitute. He calls Rahab a hero of the faith. Like she's been inducted into the spiritual hall of fame. For real. You're a hero of the faith, he says. You're never too far and God can change anyone. I want to ask you to do something. We're going to get ready and we're going to be done with this, with this service. I want you to take some serious consideration at this next worship blank. I want you to look at this. I want you to look at the next blank on your worship handout. Look at this. The community around us doesn't need to see another follower of Jesus talk about their faith. They need to see that their faith, they need to see their faith lived out. People ask us, they ask Ken, who's in charge of this, they say, why do you do things in our community? Why do you go to Veterans Park and give out Barbie dolls or water or juice or give away gas or you give away turkeys and hams and gift cards? What on earth is wrong with you? I had someone ask me, I told them, they said, hey, we saw a post about a lady and she got a gift card at your church on Mother's Day. (laughs) He goes, how many women go to your church? Isn't that expensive? I said, do you not think our mothers are worth much farther, farther more than that? It was five bucks. Our budget is set up by people that seek to understand our relevant and be relevant in our culture. We don't just want to talk about it. We want to show up and show you. It's so different. You know what talk is? Cheap. Watch. I'll show you. It doesn't take very much guts for me to sit at home and log on to my computer and find something that I want to take care of on social media and light them up. Does it? It doesn't take. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. You can do that. Listen. You can, you can do talk is cheap. I heard, uh, I read something on, on Facebook that, that um, Bono, the lead singer of U2, wasn't a fan of George Bush. And when his son got elected, um, George Bush met with him and he invited him over to his house. It was on Facebook. He invited him over to his house. And what they did is they two people sat down. I mean, Bono was verbally, verbally against President Bush, the first one. And he comes into other President Bush's house and they, they sit down and President Bush found, finds a common ground about lives and saving people's lives in Africa due to hunger. And on that, on that these two are, these two are they got their arms around each other. Okay, President and one of the most famous lead singers of any rock and roll group in the world. And they're sitting there with their arms around each other and it says, isn't it awesome when two people are mature about things and they sit down? See, talk is cheap. It's easy to say anything that you want. Oh yeah, I'm a good person. No, you're not. First of all, I'm just going to answer that for you. You're not. I'm going to... Man, I'm such a... I'm a good person. It's not about being arrogant. The follower of Jesus... We we don't need another person to just say, yeah, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. Can I be really honest with you? The people that you come in contact with at Aldi's or Walmart or Kroger or the gas station here have heard everything in this world about church. What they haven't heard or seen is people probably that intentionally lived it out for them to teach them, to show them. Now they could have. 
But chances are, that one time in their life, they heard somebody say something, and they're like, talk's cheap, right? Remember a camp shirt that I used to have from way back. I said, walk your talk. Guess what? It's still relevant. Do what you what God wants you to do. He's asking us to put our faith into action. Do. Don't sit. Right? In life you're going through, man, just if you have a manual, you just put it in neutral. You're sitting on flat ground. I'm not gonna go anywhere. I said, I don't want you to sit in neutral. My son did not die so that you can stay neutral. My son died so that you can proclaim my name in the world. I got an update from Zimbabwe, by the way. Our youth, our college student that's in Zimbabwe, learning just extravagantly cool things about this world. And the real process about how a chicken goes from walking around to fried chicken. Okay, we just really <laughs> but, but there's all kinds of stories about hope, about sharing the gospel of Jesus with people that have never heard the name of Jesus before. It's action. And there's other people doing the same thing. Maybe you're doing it at work. I just want to challenge you. If you're not, dive into this. Put your, put your spiritual vehicle in drive and push the pedal on the right. Let's pray. God, we thank You so much. This is such a challenging word from James. Now we, we, we love You. Thank You so much for what You do with us, for us, through us. God, we live in a community that has heard a lot about You, but maybe it hasn't been backed up. God, I just ask and pray that You start a revival of people's lives and You begin it with people in this room right now. That we become magnetic where we work. That we are not afraid to share about what you've done, where you've brought us from in this world, in this life. But God, that we would push the accelerator down and accelerate through this life for you. In your name we pray. Amen.